What's up, everything? It's been a week without hockey, but that won't make us leave you without a podcast. We'll discuss oh-so-much news and be sure to really mansplain why Pierre Maguire's an asshole. Ian's on your left and Steven's on your right, and we're paying you to listen tonight, so let's get started and let's go Blues! back everyone you're listening to the two guys no cup podcast it is thursday january 31st and we have a hard stop to deal with tonight (laughs) according to ian's tyrannical rule ian how are you doing today your highness (laughs) i'm very tired and 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 that's it (laughs) okay Okay, good to know. Well, you're probably tired because we're coming to you from the abandoned husk of a tent on the beach in the Bahamas where the skeleton of the fire festival was once not really held. Hmm. Oh boy, what a documentary that was. Is it just called, what's it called on Netflix? A fire, I think just fire. I mean, fire. you can definitely find it. F-Y-R-E. Mm-hmm. Hmm. There's one on Hulu <laughs> too. We'll think about that for next week. We should watch that. Uh, yeah, maybe we'll compare after next week's episode or something, but not after this one, because there's a hard stop. (laughs) Um, yeah, so we're here. It's been a week without Blues Hockey. Uh, Ian, how are you coping? How are you coping with the coping? I'm tired. (laughs) (laughs) Of no no Blues Hockey. Yeah, I'm glad they'll be back on Saturday, despite all the ripping we've done on this team. And they've been looking better. I am looking forward to watch them play again. And then ripping on them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. I'm drinking a Bud Select right now. That's for when you want a beer, but really basically want water. <laughs> uh, brought to you, Two Guys No Cup podcast, brought to you by Bud Select. Oh, it's beer, but it's water. <laughs> We're brought to you by Miller Lite tonight. <laughs> Bud Select, the swill of St. Louis. <laughs> Speaking of swill, uh, why don't we get started with uh, the news story of the week. Um, I guess, I don't know what to call this. You've all seen by now probably the Pierre Maguire catastrophe. Because that's all it is. It's a catastrophe. <laughs> Pierre Maguire uh, on the broadcast. So let, let, let's let's rewind a little bit. So over the weekend, there was the NHL All-Star Game. And during the skills competition, um, Kendall Coyne Schofield, among others, but m- she was kind of the most highlighted, I feel like, uh, competed in the fastest skater competition and actually came in seventh. Uh, I believe, which was pretty good. She had a really great time, something like 13.9 or something. I don't mm-hmm. have the time right in front of me. But um, Kendall Coyne Schofield is an American Olympian, a gold medalist, like a five-time world champion. She's obviously a phenomenal athlete. And the NHL took it upon itself rare in a rare moment of clarity and forward thinking. They said, hey, there are some women hockey athletes in the area for the 
skills competition. Let's get them on board. And then that was the last good decision they made uh, (laughs) because, you know, Kendall Coyne skated first during the competition, which was really cool, but they didn't really treat it as part of the competition exactly. It was kind of like an exhibition as was, as it was with the other women who competed. And then one of them arguably won, but then they said she didn't win and they didn't give her money. It was a whole big thing, but we got past that as a nation. And and by nation, I mean the six of us who cared about the NHL all-star game. Mm. And uh, they decided to move forward again in a rare moment of forward thinking by having Kendall Coyne, Schofield, KCS, Kendall, however we will refer to her for the remainder of this podcast, uh, guest uh, guest host, that's not really the word, right word, guest analyze, mm-hmm. uh, alongside the NBC broadcast as they covered the Lightning um, Penguins game on Wednesday night, uh, and then Guest hosting for Kendall Coyne meant uh, joining Pierre Maguire between the benches, and joining Pierre Maguire means talking to Pierre Maguire. <laughs> Unfortunately. And so then this happened. It's been exciting, it's overwhelming, and I'm so excited to join you here. So Tampa's going to be on your left, Pittsburgh's going to be on your right. What are you expecting out of this game? We're paying you to be an analyst, not to be a fan tonight. Uh, Yeah, I'm excited to see Tampa start. They've been off for 10 days, haven't had a game. Pittsburgh, on the other hand, had a tough loss on Monday, got a little bit blown out of the water by New Jersey Devils, so I'm excited to see the start tonight. Let's have a blast. Johnny, back to you. The clip is unbelievable. Really, mm-hmm. uh, Pierre kind of telling Kendall where the two benches are, and <laughs> then telling her that they're paying her to be an analyst and not a fan, which she never was in the first yeah. place. <laughs> um, I mean, even if you had like, let's imagine it's an even bigger difference. Like, let's imagine. Kobe Bryant came to the booth during an NFL game. I feel like they wouldn't just call him a fan, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, here's world-famous athlete Kobe Bryant commenting on a different sport. Yeah. But it's not like, you're just a layman observer calling this game. So... Yeah, that made it come off like they were treating women's hockey like she plays in like a rec league. And even then, if that were the case, which it isn't, you would know what hockey is. Mm-hmm. You know where the benches are. You know, a child knows where the benches you know which are. Team, if she was just a fan, mm-hmm. she knows which team is in blue and which team is in <laughs> no. yellow. The it's lightning bolt like, versus the penguin on yeah, the jersey. Exactly. And it's not like it's not that it would ever have been true, but if it was like the Coyotes playing the, I don't know. Oilers, I guess, some like Coyotes Avalanche, something like two relatively obscure teams in the league, then I could understand it. But the Penguins have been the most dominant team of the past decade, and the Lightning are far and away the best team right now. Mm -hmm. I think she can handle it. But not to get mired down in the specifics, um, obviously there was a lot of outrage about this, as I think there should be. And here's the thing. I'm... I'm not the biggest, like, p- 
political correctness guy. Anyone who's listened to this podcast knows that <laughs> for sure. I think we should deserve a little, you know, levity on on, especially when you're live on air to yeah, misspeak yeah. and be forgiven. And and I I think if this was an isolated incident. Uh, or if it wasn't just so bad, <laughs> we could forgive Pierre, but this is not an isolated incident for Pierre Maguire. I don't, why don't you, why don't you give us your thoughts in general? Because I have prepared some remarks. <laughs> <laughs> you can present them to the judge and the jury. Exactly. I've Exhibit prepared a. my closing statements. Yeah, it, just felt weird. I mean, every statement in there felt weird between telling her where the, who's on what bench to basically, yeah, like we said, you're we're paying you to be a analyst and not a fan. And it's like I was also like, are you paying them? Mm-hmm. Um, and also the fit. I mean, if you watch the video, you obviously can't hear, but mm-hmm. the physical. Pierre's kind of a big guy, you know. Yeah, she's, kind of, she's relatively short too. Right, yeah. and he's just kind of like all up in her space, which he always yeah. is with athletes. No, yeah, no offense, Kendall. That's just the weirdness of Pierre always. Oh yeah, that's not probably sexual or anything. He's just that way yeah, all the, the time. The dude he's never had a personal space bubble no. ever. He doesn't know what that is. I don't know. Sometimes I just think something's a little off about Pierre. Whether, Mm. you know, good or bad, it's just like I don't think he understands, (laughs) like, social cues. Mm -hmm. He he knows his stuff. I can't begrudge him for, you know, he's a great hockey mind in the sense that he, well, he knows where everyone's from. We'll put it that way. every child that's ever played for Shattuck St. Mary in the history of Canada. <laughs> he knows who their parents are, he knows who their aunts and uncles are, he, he knows, knows their the lineage. He knows the milkman's surname. Yeah. And good to him for all that. Yeah, that's I get why they employ him for that, but they over and over again he's just shown a lack of a, a lack of social cues, a lack of knowing when to say certain things, when too much is too much, when like I mean even uh, this is being real nitpicky uh, on my end, but like even his little like fist bump at the end, like all right, let's get to work or whatever he says, sort of thing with her is like what I don't, I don't know. Like what you wouldn't do that to someone else. You wouldn't do that to like Darren Pang. Darren Pang yeah. would be down there. Is like all right, time for a fist bump, Darren, because we're getting to work. It's like no, you just you just treat him like hey, what's up? Uh huh. Yeah. I, I don't I, know. Treat him like a professional. I think the tendency here, uh, I've seen a lot of like. The, I've seen the phrase cringe worthy Can I just thrown say, around a lot. Yeah. I hate that phrase. I hate it too. You're but, embarrassed. You feel embarrassed for somebody. Uh, just, I don't know. Say here's it that the thing way. it's either shitty and awful or it's not that. Yeah. And cringe worthy doesn't capture what this was. <laughs> Whenever people say cringe worthy, I'm always like, if it was, then you're, then you're cringing. Or yeah. I don't know, it's like, this is very cringeworthy. I'm like, so are you? Yeah, Or aren't exactly. you? Anyway, sorry. So, and the thing with Pierre is, I think the tendency is to write him off as, like, the kook. Yeah, loon. The goofball. He's actually an asshole. Like, well-documented. He was the coach of the Hartford Whalers for, like, 12 minutes. And the reason he was the coach of the Hartford Whalers, hand to God, was that... 
whoever was running it, and it, it was Brian Burke or somebody, it was a well-known name at the time, yeah. hated Pierre Maguire <laughs> and knew, literally knew that they needed a scapegoat for a season. And so he put Pierre Maguire in a situation that he was destined to fail. And he did fail because he was Pierre Maguire. <laughs> so Maguire sent out a statement. And he, this to me is just not even close, honestly, on the tone of what this statement should have been. He says, I've known Kendall for years and have had the privilege of covering her as a member of Team USA at the past two Winter Olympics. We were all thrilled to have her join our coverage last night, but at times my excitement got the better of me and I should have chosen my words better. I had the utmost respect for Kendall as a world-class player, analyst of the game, and role model. He didn't even apologize. Uh, I love those. And then uh, Kendall released a, a lengthier statement, but I think it deserves to be read in its entirety. It's it's not that long. She says, My week started with competing in the NHL All-Star Game and ended with calling an NHL game. To say it was one of the most incredible weeks of my life wouldn't come close to doing its service. But what made this week even more meaningful is knowing that it was much bigger than me. People joke about my size. See? You were right. <laughs> uh, but what I can tell you is that I've learned these shoulders are strong enough to carry the weight and responsibility I feel not just to myself but to all of the young girls who have watched my week and know what is possible for them and now know what is possible for them. I've known Pierre Maguire for years. I know he respects me as a hockey player, a woman, and a friend, and that is why I didn't think twice about our on-air exchange when it happened. I didn't give it a second thought until after I game, after the game when I received countless messages. I went back and looked at the video. I understand why people would think that it was inappropriate. If I were watching it at home and saw a man say that to a woman athlete, I would have been offended. But what I also know is how excited Pierre was for me and how... And to be a part of this moment. While I wish it came out differently, I know Pierre didn't question my hockey knowledge, but to be honest, that's not what's important. What is important is for every young girl reading this to know it doesn't matter what anyone thinks of my hockey knowledge because I do not doubt... I do not doubt my hockey knowledge. I don't need a gold medal to come to that conclusion. I need a belief in myself that took time to build, and I would never let someone else undo all of the work on the ice and especially off. Last night was magical, nerve-wracking, and incredible. I learned two things. I loved being a part of it, and I need to get better. All of that, I control. So that's an incredibly classy statement focusing on the positive and, and how she mm -hmm. needs to grow, which, by the way, is what you have to the attitude you have to have to be an Olympic athlete. Yeah. It can never be good enough. Ashley uh, Stretch Johnson, who's another female USA Olympian, said, Pierre Maguire is a great example of how far the NHL broadcast and sporting world has to go in respecting female athletes and reporters. So, all of this... I was so mad last night. And this isn't the sort of thing that usually fires me up. But I was so angry about this situation. And I think I think it's just because Pierre at his best mm -hmm. is intolerable. <laughs> as just as like a voice commentating on a game, he's grading, he's usually providing, I mean, nine-tenths of the time he's providing information that nobody needs, nobody asks for, and he's overriding better mm -hmm. um Better com you know, better commentators and Doc Emmerich and Ray Ferraro and whoever else is involved, Eddie Olchek, all of those guys. And 
I think he has a place, but I think his place would be like if if the NHL starts doing dedicated broadcasts for all their like on ice mm-hmm. analytics and stuff, that would be a good place for him because mm-hmm. the people who are watching that are the people who are coming and saying, I want the deepest analysis of this game possible, and he is going to give that to you. But the fact that he's on the NHL's main national broadcast, where they're trying to pull people in and trying to make things more presentable Mm -hmm. to a national audience and make hockey more relatable to a national audience. It's just, it's embarrassing for NBC, and quite frankly, it's shocking that the NHL is okay with letting that guy be, like, one of their primary voices that Mm -hmm. represent the sport. If you were a woman, not a hockey fan, not, you know, not a hardcore fan of the Lightning or, or Penguins or even of Kendall Coyne, if you were just a woman who maybe was on a date or whatever and happened to watch the game that night. Do you think you're ever watching hockey again if you caught that moment? I doubt it. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not a woman, so I don't want to speak for them, but I I doubt you're looking up his apology or looking up Kendall Coyne's moment, you know, in the mm. or her apo- or not apology statement, whatever. Yeah. I couldn't think of the word I wanted. But I doubt you're taking the time to figure out the facts here. Um I just it just really angered me, and so I wrote a little, little <laughs> bit of a prepared statement that I'm just going to read in full because I was fired up last night. Kick back. And I said, Pierre Maguire is like a horcrux for everything that's wrong with the NHL. Every time Brian Burke rants about a team that doesn't do things the right way, every time a fan or analyst's opinion is dismissed because they didn't play the game, every time an old washed-up retread is hired as a manager or coach because they did play the game, every time a rich white dude runs a team into the ground because they can't keep their hands off their play thing, I meant that as the as the team, but you can oh, read sure, it. Oh, sure, yeah. Okay, ones. we can. And let the experts handle it. Every time a woman in this sport is belittled, held back, or underpaid, every time Gary Bettman or another executive pretends that they don't know what every single one of us knows about concussions, a bit of that energy fractures off and makes Pierre stronger. He's an (laughs) artifact fueled by the antiquated backwater, misogynistic, insular, closed-minded culture that has formed this sport and makes it the distant fourth tier, quickly becoming fifth tier sport that it is, that it always has been, and that it seems ever so happy and committed to always being. And that will never change until Pierre, and not so much Pierre himself, but the energy and culture contained within Pierre is destroyed once and for all. Oh boy, man. (laughs) Round of applause folks uh i just like i wrote that just i like to write a lot and so i was hoping that there was a way i could say it naturally on the podcast and i was <laughs> say like, that naturally. i'm not gonna memorize this uh but i just it's i i want to separate my animus i don't want to i'm not trying to direct it at pierre although mm-hmm. i think he's <laughs> worthy of plenty but it's just this league it's just this league that keeps allowing so these people to be in the front 
of the freaking... Do you think, like, okay, I didn't see the broadcast, admittedly. Mm. I didn't see the whole game. I don't know how Kendall Coyne did. She's apparently hard on herself in her statement. I imagine she was pretty good. Maybe she was terrible. Do you not think that the game would be healthier immediately if she was the the between-the-bench analyst? Or anyone, you know? And I'm not just saying, like, we need to promote women to every position. Mm -hmm. That's not a good policy either. But this league is so committed to being the old boys club. Mm -hmm. It works so hard to do that. It's things like, I don't know if you saw this, but last week there was some threat about analytics and Grant Fuhr and Darren Pang got involved. I don't know if it was, it was maybe Sean Tierney. It might've started it with the Mm -hmm. charting hockey, but it was someone like that, you know, who did, Hey, here's analytics about what goalie is doing well, what goalie isn't doing well. And, uh, Basically, Grant Fuhrer made a comment about, well, you know, I still need the eye test. And then somebody said something to him, and he said, well, I think the initials Hockey Hall of Fame, Hockey Hall of Fame, or HHOF, yeah. say that I was pretty darn good. And Darren Pang said something about, you got that right, Granny, or you know, and I, I don't care. Look, here's the thing that old people don't get in this league: no one is saying that the eye test isn't important. No one is saying that. This There's this misconception that the analytics people are just like, well, we'll plug numbers in and then we'll just simulate the season like it's mm-hmm. NHL 19. No one is arguing that. I just... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explode if I keep going on this topic, but I just don't... I, this league works so hard to not be good at what it does. Mm-hmm. As far as I know... As far as I know, this was the first major event in any any North American, you know, organized professional sport where women competed alongside men. I don't, I mean, I'm, it may have happened other places, but I don't know of it happening. Mm-hmm. And they blew it. Like, how could you not make that into money? And I'm, I'm not trying to be just totally, you know, totally fiscally motivated but how could you not make that a success for your league Mm -hmm. that's a slam dunk and they blew it because they had to blow it because they blow everything (laughs) because they're the nhl and gary bettman's still in charge and they don't care about the health of the league they just care about lining their own pockets and it's never gonna change and i hate hockey now (laughs) would you like to carry on with this hockey podcast i have a counter argument uh, do you have no, any other no. thoughts? I know you better not have a counter-argument. <laughs> do you I have any additional thoughts on that? I'm sorry I went kind of loco. If we have any geriatric listeners, I think your opinions are fine on hockey, and I support the eye test completely. Numbers are dumb, mm-hmm. says my math degree. <laughs> 100%. The end. <laughs> I've researched it for I four just... years, six and a half years. Numbers are dumb. No, I agree. It's... We've talked about it in private before, in private, on our private server. Um, <laughs> when our private tete-a-tetes. <laughs> yeah, on our, our private island. Um, that Just north of Sandals Resort. <laughs> <laughs> it's like on the Fire Island Festival beaches. Oh, not the Fire Island. That's a very different <laughs> That's thing. different. <laughs> fire Festival, Fire Island. Uh, no, but this, this league buries any player that has like a, you know, has any sort of personality, tries to get rid of them, tries to get them really toe a line, when really that's what they need to be celebrating, and it just seems like they're so out of touch 
with what people want these days. They, I mean, kudos to them for being on social media in any form, because really, I'm surprised that they are. But it's, it's little things like that. It's little things burying talent, not having the best talent. They've had, uh, I can't remember her name, I'm so sorry. There was a woman that was in the booth for some games last year mm-hmm. as a color commentator. I don't know if she still is this year. To be honest, I haven't paid attention to very many NBC games, national games, but I hope she's still there because she did a really good job. Mm-hmm. And I think the big deal to take away from that too is up there, not once for the, like, how is it, how does this work in uh, women's hockey or what's the difference here and there? They just had her talk about players, you know, talk about players, talk about the teams. She analyzed them. It was perfect. It was just like an, any other human being up there and in the box. So they can do it. What They've a, done it before. What a novel idea, treating women like other normal human beings. I know it was probably trying to help her along sort of thing to have mm-hmm. her down there with Pierre, but it's like, why not just have her down there? It's not like she's lost. It's not like she's sitting down she's like, ooh, this is big scary ice, guys. I don't know where I am and what game I'm watching. Mm. Just put her down there alone. Yeah, and I just... the. If you don't think that's this is a problem, if you don't, and, and again, I'm not, I'm really not the guy that's just like, put women everywhere. There just need to be more women in things or whatever, because if they don't want to do it and if they're not qualified to do it, they shouldn't just do it for the mm-hmm. purpose of doing it. But there are a lot of very qualified women, and one of those women, Katie Strang, wrote an excellent article about this whole fiasco, and the comment section on this article is just preposterous like i realize it's a common section but john t says p.s love how the athletic chooses a woman to write this article about a woman because a man could never write it right i wonder which male athletic sports writers breaks the barrier and starts covering women in hockey articles like what (laughs) what and there's so many, I just, I scrolling through this the first time, Adam K says, I don't get the big deal. Um, Craven M, Craven M, I don't know how to pronounce your name, sir, but you're an idiot, says, call me an old schooler. I'm not ready for a woman to be calling the game just because it makes others warm and fuzzy. Sorry. And it's just... The- Isn't that the weirdest argument? I don't, whatever, I'm not even going to get into it. That's like the weirdest, like, can't see pot calling the kettle black yeah. i don't know adam k says pierre would have said the same stuff and it was a male hockey player during during his first broadcast which no no he would not have not a chance in the <laughs> world would that have happened blown way out of proportion not sure why everyone needs to say the perfect words every time all the time apparently the world needs to crucify anyone who is imperfect no wonder everyone just stays at home on their phones instead of real human interaction like how are you on the other side of this issue how old do you think that last person was <laughs> probably 20 because they I, like breed stupid I in just, certain people i don't say the more and more i read comments like that's got to be old person the younger they're getting oh, it's creeping it's sure. scaring me a little and i'm not you know it's not this ventures so close to politics, which I don't want it to at all because we are not political. But it's just like, why can't people not be idiots? This is so, like, 
Pierre Maguire is an asshole. Everybody knows he's an asshole. Everybody talks about how he's an asshole. Listen to Greg Wyshynski, who is not the kind to just cut people down for no reason. Talk about Pierre Maguire and, like, the rage that is in his heart when mm-hmm. that happens. And that's a man, that, a man, I know, because how dare we take a woman's perspective, that's a man <laughs> who actually talks to Pierre Maguire I mean, I don't know that it's regular, but they've interacted. They're co-workers in some respect. They're peers, although probably not because Greg never played the game. So they're probably (laughs) not peers. And he has hair. And (laughs) I just, we can move on now pretty soon. But I just, I just don't get, like the guy who says Pierre would have said the same thing to a man. No, he wouldn't have. If you think that, you're out of your mind. I'm okay with saying he screwed up. He apologized. He didn't apologize. If he'd apologized, (laughs) I'd be okay with saying that. Let's move on. But don't pretend that this wasn't, had nothing to do with her sex or her gender Mm -hmm. or what she was doing there. And, you know, it's just, uh, it's just gross. It's just so gross to me. And why can't they replace him with any of the thousands of people who are equally qualified to do his job? I hate on Doc Emmerich a lot on this podcast, but that's like a joking, just kind of making fun of the of his kind of delivery and his way yeah. of speaking. I love Doc Emmerich. I respect Doc Emmerich. But Pierre Maguire, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. He needs to go, and that's a hard stop. Um, Amen. Yeah, sorry. So I'm, I'm sorry to everyone who didn't want to hear about that, but I the was half fired of our listeners up. that love Pierre Maguire are gone. <laughs> They're already gone. You're right. Uh, I'll just close with Katie Strang's comment from her article saying, if anyone had the right to be outraged, it was Coin Schofield, who has an Olympic gold medal, five world championships, and more than two decades of experience knowing how to differentiate the two sides of a hockey game. She also was a communications major at Northeastern, and yet thrust into a controversy of someone else's making, the 26-year-old handled the fallout as deftly as if stick handling between two defenders. And she did. So congratulations to her. And speaking of defenders, Jake Muzz was traded to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Well done. You're welcome for that. It Stuck was the landing. Uh, thoughts on the Jake Muzzin trade? The Maple Leafs get Jake Muzzin, uh, <laughs> a left-handed defenseman when they desperately needed help on the right side, and the Los Angeles um, Kings. I went through Chargers, Rams, <laughs> Lakers, Kings. We uh, got... Carl Grundstrom, who is a forward, who was a second-round draft pick a few years ago and a pretty decent, promising player. Sean Dursey, a defenseman who was a second-round draft pick in this past year's draft and remains unsigned. And, of course, the requisite big trade first-round pick in next year's draft, 2019. That pick will be the 20. Second in the draft, calling it. Um, <laughs> it's a first-round exit, Toronto, for those who are keeping track at home. Look out! Uh, thoughts on this trade? Um, I would have liked to have made this trade. For Jake Muzzin? For, no. Nah. trading Alex Petrangelo? No, nah, trading Alex Petrangelo. Yeah. I mean, I like Alex Petrangelo, but we got a little bit of, a little bit of a different return there. Um, 
I think it's good for Toronto. Like you said, it's a left-hand defenseman. They need help on the right side. So you're, you would imagine Jake this means... Has, Muslin has played on the left before. Riley has played... Or on the right before, as has Riley. But it's not ideal. Yeah, it's like it's not the perfect fit. You would think this means that the other Jake, their Jake Gardner, would be on the move this summer. Steve Dangle wouldn't think that. Why don't you tell me why Steve Dangle <laughs> says... They're keeping Jake Gardner when they have Jake Muzzin now. He just, he had no reason. He just said, I think Kyle will do it. Do it. I think Dubas Kyle will do, do it. it. He'll just do just it. Just like he, just like he masterfully handled the Sh- William Nylander trade ne- or contract negotiations. Yeah. I think he'll just keep him. There's no way Jake Gardner is a Toronto Maple Leaf next year. There's no way. Isn't he a left-handed defenseman? Or yeah. He, yeah. So... What are you doing? You've got Jake. Uh, anyway, sorry. Uh, we love Steve Dangle, but that was just such a weird thing. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, so, yeah, this means Gardner's gone. Gardner is booed constantly by that market anyway for less than no reason. So, Let's I don't know him. why he'd want to stay. Do you think we get Jake Gardner? Do you think Jake Gardner is a St. Louis Blue September? Pre-season. I think he'd be an exceptionally good fit in some ways. Uh, I don't think we have a puck-moving defenseman of his caliber really anywhere close to it as, in terms of a true offensive defenseman in the league. He'd replace a lot of the void that Kevin Shattenkirk left and probably then some. Uh, what I think we have to decide which of our right-handed defensemen we're keeping because mm-hmm. we're not keeping both of them. And we need to make that move. And then if Gardner seems like a good fit with the one that remains, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd be all for it. It depends on what the cap hit and term he's looking for is. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, as I, as we talked about last week, I think our defensive core is going to and actually needs to look massively different next year because yeah. we haven't touched it in half a decade or so, really, in any substantial way. So, yeah, I think it's very possible. Yeah, Jake Gardner could obviously be a St. Louis Blue because he will be a UFA this summer, mm-hmm. or he could do trade deadline trade. Probably not happening. Have you looked up his stats by any chance? I have not, but I, I was going to say he was making just a skosh, or is currently making just a skosh mm. over four million a, a year. Bank. Yeah, Scotia Bank. <laughs> We're represented by Scotia Bank, are we not? We're not. Oh, yes, we, we are, are not. And Rogers and the other one. And U.S. Bank, <laughs> U.S.A. Um, <laughs> Jake Muzzin makes $4 million flat a year, and he's making it this year, and he's making it next year. Mm-hmm. You're not paying Jake Gardner $6 million plus, I'm guessing. He's going he's gonna to ask for around six, oh, for he's sure. Oh, six right? at least, six, yeah. Six to seven. You're not paying him that, even if it's just one year, and then having Jake Muzzin for the one year at four, too. Mm-hmm. Especially when you need... They need the cap space. Mm-hmm. You need those. Num- you need that four million off the books. You can pay Muzzin that next year. That's four million freed up for you to do whatever you need to do with your two big guys this summer. Mm-hmm. Jake Gardner. There's no way. Is going to be 29 when he signs his contract. A great he age. Was born. Well, actually, I guess he will. When he signs it, he'll be 28 for a few more days. A he even better was age. Was born on July 4th. 1990 in Minnetonka, Minnesota. He's the most American we salute you ever made. And he has averaged, um, I can't do averages in my head. What was I thinking? I way overcommitted. <laughs> he has 24 points this year in 47 games, which is kind of 
a little bit off his pace. He had 52 and 82 last year, and he had 43 and 82 the year before that, which indicates to me first that he's very durable. Hasn't missed a game in three seasons. Uh, he's a combined plus, let me do some math here. This I can handle 50 since the 2016 <laughs> 17 season, this horrid defender. Uh, yeah, he was a plus. 24 in the 2016-17 season. Was that the first with Matthews? I guess it was, right? Yeah. But that still wasn't... 16-17. That still wasn't a great season for them. So, uh, plus 24 is pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just... I, well, we, obviously, it's a long way to go till free agency. We don't need to dwell on him. But, yeah, Gardner's gone. Now, let's talk about Muzzin. I'll say Jake Muzzin on the year, 50 games played with the LA Kings, four goals, 17 assists for 21 points. And the more outstanding thing out of all this... Doesn't he... On that awful team, he's a plus 10. Yeah, yeah. What's his Corsi, too? Is that also bonk? Uh, his Corsi should be pretty good. Let's see. It is. Put him on the spot. <laughs> I know. No, I can no, find I've it. Lost you... it. No, I got it. It's a fifty point five. For a crap team, though. Yeah. What's his relative? Do you have that handy? It's a three point nine. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's. I think it's a good trade for. Toronto. I. I just really don't see them as particularly close to cup contenders this year. Maybe I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that defense is. Frederick Anderson looks pretty good. Frederick Anderson's great. Is he going to be overworked when he gets to the playoffs like he has been the last two years? Up mm-hmm. for debate. I just don't know. I don't know. It's it's possible, but it's also very I, possible they get blanked by the Bro- Bruins in the first round again. <laughs> I lean more towards that than them going all the way. Yeah, I mean, I think I don't. I'm not saying they're not a good team. They're obviously a very good team. I just don't think in this year, especially, you got to get through the Bruins, Capitals, Lightning, good God, Penguins. Um, I don't know some other de- the. Uh, Canadians are pretty decent this season, and then your reward for all of that is playing the Jets or the Predators. Yeah. Like, <laughs> good luck winning a Stanley Cup. They remind me of the Blues, not in their parts, but mm. like the sum of their parts and being, that's a really good team. I don't think they're winning the Stanley Cup yeah. sort of thing. Mm. I mean, obviously, their parts are very young and are projecting to make this team even better and better. Their <laughs> parts are very parts. young. <laughs> um, their players are, but like, it's just that where they are right now is exactly how I used to feel about the Blues when we were, I was going to say our heyday, that's kind of sad, but mm-hmm. you know, when we were making the playoffs regularly with Ken Hitchcock, I'm like, hey, this is a pretty good team, I don't know about it though. Yeah, and I think to some extent, you know, I think the Blues were a collective where the team was better for having the pieces, the mm-hmm. individual pieces, where... As as we've seen, you take David Backus and put him somewhere else, obviously aging and all that as a factor. You take Kevin Shattenkirk and put, put him somewhere else, they don't generally get better with the notable exception of T.J. Oshie. Um, I think this could be the opposite, and I'm not just trying to poke holes in the Maple Leafs, but I don't, I don't know that they're as good as their manpower suggests that they mm-hmm. should be. And... Uh, I think that's evidenced by the fact that they have one of the highest-scoring defensemen in the league, three of the highest-scoring forwards in the league, and 
you would say the best goalie in the league. I would say the second or third best goalie in the league. And mm-hmm. they're like in third place and they're second. They're hovering around second or third place in their division, which is great. But with that, you would think they'd be dominant. Uh, but in any case, yeah, I mean, I think it's a fairly good trade. We don't know enough about the um, prospects involved to really linger. I mean, we know a little bit. Grundstrom's pretty good. I know Dangles talked him up a fair amount, so mm. I think that's a nice piece for them moving forward. Yeah, but and Dursey is a, kind of a depending on who you ask ask kind of mm-hmm. prospect. Uh, I'm wondering if we'll see more movement from the Kings in the coming weeks then. I mean, Jake Muzzin wasn't like... Wasn't, you know, Drew Doughty, but he was a part of their team, you know. I would mm-hmm. think that's a lot like us trading, I'd say, to a le- much lesser extent for us, like trading Joel Edmondson, where you're like, oh, well, he's not, like, the key to your team, but if you're going to trade that piece, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're, like, done in it to win. Yeah, yeah you're not yeah. like, oh, well, we're just going to move forward, and that's the only piece we're moving. You're moving other things, then. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Um, why don't we go ahead and talk about some of the Blues injury news. The St. Louis Blues, which are the team this podcast covers. Um, <laughs> sorry for those of Loosely. you who want the Blues news right up front. It's obviously hard to do that when there's been none for a week. We'll talk about the three losses they incur next Thursday. Yes, indeed. Uh, Perron, David Perron is uh, dead. Tell us yeah. more, Ian. Well... His memorial service will be on <laughs> Wednesday. Um, Trader's funeral home on yeah, Manchester. That's the only funeral. That's the funeral home you go to. Mm-hmm. Um, we're all going there. Someday. We're all going there. <laughs> Very deep. This podcast. <laughs> David Perron was injured oh, in the no, Boston game face, two weeks ago. French face. And I don't know what happened. I don't remember there being a large hit on him that I at all. He played through the whole game, I believe, and then didn't play the remaining three games before the All-Star break and the Blues off week this week. So all in all, even though the team hasn't played for a week anyways, he hasn't played in two weeks. And now they've just put him on IR, and mm-hmm. it's an upper body injury. Of course, that means they won't say what that booby, is. Booby injury. Um, your head. His head. His that's head is part, all splody. Yeah, that's part Let, of your upper body. Let's not joke around with this. A thousand percent, this is a concussion. Uh, we don't know when it happened. They won't talk about it. It's the NHL. It's definitely a concussion. Don't they have to tell you that they went through some protocol, though? Yeah, eventually. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we, we'll tell you when he comes back from it. We're like, yeah, we did do that about a year ago. Uh, how He was out for a whole season after Joe Thornton just labeled his elbow right in between uh, Perron's eyes. And then he came back, like, the next November. He mm-hmm. was out for, like, a full year? He was out for a full half a season and then like two months yeah. into the next season. That was like a dark period because I was like, this guy's career. Man. I think it's out. I mean, there was a period where you were just like, so he's never coming back. Do you remember when he came back and he scored He scored his uh-huh. first goal against the Hawks and people went ape and we lost that game, of course. But it was like, like I still remember like, no way. That's right. Every game. I forgot how good he was when he was gone. I remember being like, oh, crap, we're getting David Perron back. Hell yeah. Mm. I love David. He's been super good. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm really worried about it just because of his history and the kind of weirdness around the injury. Flip side of the coin is he could be back next week. It could be mm. a weird shoulder. Well, thing. he was having such a good 
Yeah, it was red hot before he left, so that sucks. Um, Good news on the other side of that is that Robert Thomas looks to be back uh, on Saturday. Is that the first game? Tyler Bozak and the other one returned in our last (laughs) game before the break. Gunnarsson? Was that a return? Steen, yeah. Really, that's Um, honestly what it needs to be from (laughs) now on. And the other one. Uh, And is there anyone else injured besides Eric Foley, who, as far as I know, is also still in frightening concussion land? Uh, no, I think that's it. I think we're almost all healthy at this point, which mm-hmm. just means knock on wood, folks, someone will die on Saturday. This is, pro- uh, this that, is real. Is that balsa wood? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Balsa. Folks, if you knock on anything that's not wood, you've doomed you're, us all. You're a traitor to yeah. this podcast. <laughs> yeah, you've killed uh, Jaden Schwartz. And honestly, I guess he hasn't been doing all that great, so really, what's the diff? I agree. We miss you, Jaden. Get well. Um... Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm happy that Thomas is back, but I want David back, and I want the real. I want, I want the real. <laughs> I want the real Jaden Schwartz back. I want like, David yeah. back. <laughs> Robert Thomas want to walk into the locker room. And they go, "Hey guys, what's you're going not on? David. <laughs> yeah, you're not my David." <laughs> oh, I believe I love you, but I want it to get uh, back to good. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I want a fully a full grown Tyler Bozak to scream at nineteen year old Robert Thomas. You're not David. <laughs> <laughs> I want that more than anything in my life. Do you life. have a career NHL point streak going right now? And he's like, Well, technically, yes, because <laughs> I've never played in the NHL. And go, Shut up, Robert. <laughs> um. Other minor blues news. Well, I guess this isn't minor for them, but it's minor impact on us. Uh, as far as we know, the blues are moving to 101 ESPN for their future radio home for the next four years. Uh, whatever. Fine. It's it's stupid. They're going to go back to KMOX. I'm a little We went through this with the Cardinals the first time. We all know what's going to happen, but go ahead and pretend. I'm disappointed because you can listen to KMOX like in the Arizona in desert. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like they're aliens on C35W like listening to the Blues get blasted by some other team and they wonder why anyone listens, but they listen anyways. Yeah, it's a little sad. I kind of like being able to drive up to Minnesota and visit friends, and if it was like late at night, I could listen to a game. I've listened to many, many Blues games up there via the radio when I was a poor college student and did not want to pay for an HL game center. <laughs> and I was like, well, I guess I'm listening to Curbs and Chaser. And I was like, that was nice. It was good times. Join fellow college students who could not afford a better medium for listening to Um, Yeah, so that's good. And they they claim that they're going to have a lot more blues coverage, which actually Mm -hmm. would be great because that radio station is an embarrassment with how little it covers the blues. And not really just how little, but how much the... uh, it's not an embarrassment. That was too strong. I love that station, actually. (laughs) Please hire uh, us. (laughs) But... um, no, I mean, it, some of the people are kind of pretending to know hockey, but do not. So mm-hmm. they got more some more dedicated. Do they still employ DeMarco Farr? They do not. No, okay. he left when the Rams left. I like DeMarco Farr. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, as individually, is fine. But I just remember thinking, like, you don't seem to know a lot about baseball. And you don't really seem to know a lot about hockey. And I know they talk about other things on this, you know, on this channel. But it's like, 
I, I don't know why you're here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was definitely there to be the Rams guy when the Rams were still yeah. around. But when they left, he made his way out pretty quickly. Goodbye. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly was great at the All-Star game. And that's all the more I want to talk about the All-Star game. So let's move did you, on. Did you watch it at all? I did not watch any of the main day. I watched some of the um, pregame festivities. Okay. The, 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 the thing. The thing we just talked about. The skills competition. Did they make... Um... JR do anything weird? Jeremy Rutherford? Yeah, Jeremy. Uh, Ronick. They always oh, make yeah, them do yeah, something yeah, weird. Yeah, I think they did, but I don't remember what. They, I think when it was in Tampa, they made him swim with sharks, but like this would have been the time to make him swim with sharks. They made him swim with sharks in Tampa? He should have dangled I a think. kite in a lightning storm. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Jeremy Ronick. Get fucked. <laughs> Enjoy, Benjamin Franklin <laughs> Roenick. Uh, um, so you want to talk about prospects? Do you? Would you like to talk about prospects? That's all we can do. You want to talk about something else? Prospects okay. it is. I mean, Let's I'll think of turn it over afterwards. to Ian Peters and his Rampage Roundup. Man, You're welcome. People's ears are bleeding this that's episode. Fine. That's fine. Okay, that's fine. I love you people. Cotton in your ears. You can't hear me anyway. We haven't talked Let's about the Rampage. Let's see about how bad the spike was. Oh, it's pretty bad. <laughs> Enjoy that, folks. <laughs> it's like, yikes. We're sorry about your headphones. Rampage. San Antonio Rampage. We haven't talked about him almost at all this year. <laughs> they exist. I believe, uh, I know I for sure said, we're going to touch base on these guys every so often, and we have not. To be fair, though, they this have. This could be described as every so often. <laughs> yeah, this is every so often. So often is every three months. This feels like the fire festival. I promised <laughs> you something, and I did not deliver. Uh... And now you're living in a shanty town. <laughs> that is this podcast. <laughs> Rampage. Can you folks tell we yeah. watched the fire documentary right no before now? No one knows. Now? Oh boy, I'd love to sell you a VIP ticket <laughs> to the 2020 NHL All Star Game where you can meet Taylor Swift. Yeah, she'll be there. All Stars. <laughs> Go on. I'm lost. Continue now. with your serious coverage of the St. Louis Blues. No, the San Antonio Rampage, who are 22, 21, and 2 this year, which puts them 6th place of an 8-team Central Division, which is actually better than they used to be. I believe they were in dead last for a long time, mirroring our own St. Louis Blues. <laughs> Fantastic. That's what you want to see when your team stinks. You want to look down at the future and see, ah, it's terrible. But we have some good players that have been down there this year. Jordan Cairo. Obviously been up and down between the Blues and the Rampage. Actually has played 28 games of the Rampage this year. 12 goals, 16 assists for 28 points in 28 games. That's the best player that's been on this team, period. Mm -hmm. A point-per-game player. Especially, I think, that's really impressed for somebody that gets called up and back, you know, down and forth, back and forth, up and down. Um, because I think there's got to be a little of a game change, you feel like. you. A lot of AHL players talk about how the AHL is a bit more physical. <laughs> a little bit less skilled, and while that might benefit you, and obviously it benefits Jordan a little bit here, it's also got to be a hard transition to constantly be making, to be getting on a plane, to go down to a different team, to then play. So I think 28 points in 28 games is actually really impressive. Leads yeah. the team in goals and in points. Uh, I also had the AHL All-Star game, I'm guessing the same weekend, right, as the NHL All-Star game, where uh, Jordan recorded the fourth fastest lap time in AHL history there. Uh, it was very impressive. It was 13.52 seconds. 
but it was bested that same day by Anthony Greco of with an AHL all-time best time of 13.251 seconds. So really... Well, Not impressive enough. I like you, Jordan. That's really cool that you are very fast. And you are. I watched the lap. It's kind of insane. He's the Jay Bowmeister fast. I kept thinking, you could try harder. Greco? Or Greco? Or I didn't or watch Kyrou. Greco Cairo. Oh, yeah. It's like the upright, smooth skating, and all of a sudden you're like, wow, I didn't realize how fast you were going, unless you give me something per perspective. If it's just him in the ice, it's hard to tell, because it's just so smooth. It is not choppy at all. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. Um, Promman, Corey Promman of The Athletic, had his mid-season. <laughs> I have a question mark. That was a question to you. Yes, you got it right. Corey Promman? Uh, of The Athletic had a mid-season prospect ranking that came out a while back, a little while back, that we never quite covered. And he had Cairo ranked as the sixth best prospect uh, mid-season, right? I believe it was sixth. Six. I didn't write down any of the numbers. I'm going to guess. I wrote down the other ones. Oh, very good. Well, no, I didn't because you got Costin on there, too. So. Mm -hmm. He's 40, though. I remember that. Good, a little preview good, for you. Good. Good. Promen says of Cairo, Cairo hasn't had much success at the NHL level this season, but he's been fantastic in the AHL as a 20-year-old named an AHL All-Star and consistently a threat. The offensive tools Kyra has make you optimistic about this NHL, his NHL projection. He's an elite skater with a lot of offensive creativity. He can play in straight line with his speed, as well as having the skills to pull up and make a play. He's got to get stronger, a little tougher, and learn to play inside the dots, but the talent will make him a power play guy if he rounds out his game a little bit. And I think that's pretty astute. That's a pretty straightforward observation especially from what we've seen that he's got the speed he definitely seems to have the hands and the eyes for passing but he's definitely at the nhl level much more of a perimeter player mm. and you'd hope that maybe in the ahl and maybe given a whole summer and everything to adapt more to the nhl game that you'll you'll find that game what do you think of jordan Kyrie thus far um i'm i'm pretty excited i think uh I just I the the speed is overwhelming anytime you watch him play mm -hmm. and I think one of the things that we maybe don't talk about enough as regards this team is he doesn't have fast enough people to play with and mm -hmm. I know that's kind of a, a hackneyed excuse and that's not all of the problem but I would love to see us get a line together that could like really keep up with him whether it's you know Thomas and Thomas isn't as fast but he's a pretty good stater and maybe you know if you can get a guy like an Athens AU or someone fast from another team that's even if they're not high super highest skill player they can just be your speed unit because I think this team needs more speed but overall you know I think that the comparisons are obvious to Ty Ratty uh, just because of, you know, any, as until we see a player dominate juniors and then not make a immediately successful transition to the NHL and not flame out after that, mm -hmm. we're always going to fear it's Ty Ratty. So I get that, but I really don't think it's the same. I mean, I think Kairou has the, you know, more physical tools than Ratty ever had and, um, has had just more, you know, international and national success, more hype. I don't think Braddy was ever sixth on anyone's mm -hmm. prospect list. Maybe I'm crazy, but I really think it's still going to be a, a magical career for Jordan Cairo. I'm not going all the way that 
our St. Louis Blues went on Reddit this week and said <laughs> he's the next Brett Hull. That feels uh, like a stretch in the opposite direction. What a psycho. Even if he's just, you know, I've, I'm trying to think of a good, if he's Casper Kapanen, you know, in a few years, or, yeah. that'd be phenomenal. You know, I'd take that. And so, uh, and that could also be the guy we trade for to put on his other wings. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I really like Jack, Jordan Cairo, and I am not too worried that he hasn't found his stride with the big club yet because we haven't committed to giving him the opportunity in the first 10 games or whatever he played up here in his first stint. The team sucked something awful, so yeah. I'm not going to judge him by that either. That's true. He hasn't necessarily gotten like the biggest chance to succeed i mean they put him on second line even sometimes a little bit first line to start the game but i think they're seeing what we see where he's he just doesn't quite have the despite all the speed the sort of jump and tenacity to be able to get inside and make um i don't know different plays happen his bread and butter is the speed and the vision it's like then you kind of have to adapt and gain a little more to your game to be able to separate yourself from just like what they drafted you for is what I always think of when I see him, at least. Clem Costin. We've talked about Clem Costin a couple episodes ago in regards to the World Juniors. Uh, with the Rampage, he has five goals, nine assists, and 14 points in 36 games played. Promen's midseason rankings of him had him 40th, and he has said, Costin is a hard player for me to figure out. He's got a lot of tools that intrigue me. He's big, skilled, skates well, and has real mean streak to his game. At the amateur level, he's consistently impressed me, and he's added an extra step to his skating this season. Versus men at the AHL level, though, he's been good, but nothing spectacular, and the production is so-so. It makes me wonder if he's just so physically ahead of other juniors that he looks better than he is. I believe too much in his skill. I believe too much in his skill set, though, so I'm willing to let him figure it out. What are your thoughts on Klim Kostin? I think a lot of people, when we first drafted him, are thinking, oh, Next Rob, Tarasenko. Yeah, or even Robert Thomas projection now where it's like, oh, he's just going to jump in. He'll just jump mm-hmm. in, he'll be an NHL player. No big deal, especially when they're talking about a lot of what they talked about and with Promen too. It's a, he's a big body, he plays a man's game. Whenever mm-hmm. they use that, people I think instantly jump to, oh, NHL ready, like mm-hmm. no problem. And I think from watching him play, he does play a man's game. He's very physical. I think he can handle himself in that regard. I think the big difference, again, is that you just got to find that extra gear to be able to find other ways to be effective. You've drafted some of these players for a reason. Now they have to round out their game because what you what they drafted you for, you have, and they can hone. But now you got to learn a few other aspects of that game. And I think for him, it's it's trying to get to the inside and maybe being that big body. Mm-hmm. He can do it in juniors. We watch, I watched a little bit of his World Juniors performance. The guy is crazy against people his own age, mm-hmm. like absolutely nuts. Mm-hmm. And I think if he can gain that confidence with guys older than him, I think he really could be. I still do think of him as, I don't want to say boom or bust, but I really do think he could swing either. Never quite makes it to being like a really good NHL player mm-hmm. one day. Yeah, I agree with all of that. I mean, I don't mean to toot our own horn or pat our own back, but I think when... Right at the beginning, we, we, we were saying, hey, let's pump the brakes here mm-hmm. because this guy is 18 years old. He was injured most of his draft season. That's why we ever got to take a chance on him in the first place. Um, and he's coming over to an American game that he isn't used to. Add in the fact that he spent his first season in our chaotic and AHL situation 
and in some ways, this is really his first professional season. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I realize that's kind of a cop out, but I think the idea that he was ever necessarily Tarasenko or whoever was probably a little bit of a stretch. I think, like you said, he he can still be a really good contributor, and I'm not. Promman knows more than I do and has watched more than I do, but I'm not really worried yet because I just think this this franchise's AHL team has been up and down a lot, um, and he's still a 19 year old playing. I mean, you know, he's still one of the youngest players in that league because mm-hmm. for non internationals, it's a 20 is the minimum situation. You know, so. He's still one of the youngest players playing in that entire league. And I don't think, you know, when uh, Jeremy Rutherford did an article a few months ago, you can find it if you want to look for the quotes, but he he did an article about kind of checking in with San Antonio and talked to Drew Bannister and some of the scouts and I think Chris Butler because he's the captain down there. And they were all glowing about costs. And so I'm not really worried. And I think the biggest thing is um, we need that grit and that tenacity mm-hmm. so even if his offensive upside isn't what we thought it was if he's like a michael furland or a, a troy brower even mm-hmm. where it's just he's got that leadership and that determination justin williams would be another good example that kind of can do attitude and that that mm-hmm. sort of villain role even that we saw him play the kind of martian role that we saw him play in the world juniors yeah, that that'd we talked be great. about a couple of weeks ago i think we need his character more than we need his skill if that makes <laughs> sense i mean we want him to be skilled mm-hmm. while having the character but if he can be a middle six player and bring that character to the team i'm not worried about whether or not he'll be a, a top three Mm-hmm. real league superstar if that makes any sense yeah no i think that's i think that's spot on just because he showed that he has that that grit to his game i think before it seemed like he was just maybe i don't know how he, you would differentiate but like a skilled powered forward mm-hmm. and now he's shown that he's more of a, a gritty power forward in that sense and that's that's good to see Move yeah on. i mean you want him to be a wayne simmons yeah that's the dream oh that'd and be I would amazing still love that but if he is just a you know, will adjust to Williams. I mean, that's not a slap in the face, even if it's a Lee Stepniak, but with a lot of positive attitude. You know, kind of the the just the nascent leadership qualities qualities that our dear Lee Stepniak provides. Uh, I think that's still pretty good. A <laughs> positive Lee Stepniak. Lee Stepniak's very negative, and that's mm-hmm. why he was traded from this team. Well, I went through a few other prospects we have in San Antonio. Those are kind of obviously our two high-profile guys, more or less as far as uh, skaters go. You got Mitch Ranke, left-handed defenseman, five goals, 21 assists, 26 points in 45 games with the Rampage, leads defenseman in points and the team in assists. Left-handed shot, I'm wondering if he ever sees time up here. I, I know we're chalked to the gills full of left-handed defensemen, but I just think he... He looked good in camps. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because of that doesn't necessarily mean he would look great on the Blues. He played a game or two with the Blues last year, I think, when they towards the end of the season, if I'm not mistaken. Ranky did. Yeah, he played in a game or two. And so, remember how devastated we were by defensive injuries yeah, that's for a right. while there. So I'm not wishing any defensive ill will on this team. Uh, not any but more than we Mitch can endure. Ranky but yeah, it'd, be, it'd just be interesting to see. 
Uh, Sammy Blay, five goals, eight assists, 13 points in 20 games played. Pretty good for a, a smaller stint down there. I believe he led the team last year mm. in points. So uh, just good to see that he's productive down there. Jake Wallman. One goal, six assists, seven points in 40 games played. He's bottom of the team of plus minus with a minus 14. Uh, were we wrong about Jake Wallman yep. being an NHL potential yep. we were. defenseman? Okay. And I thought it as recently as this uh, the Traverse City tournament. I liked a lot of what I saw in his game, but I just don't think... I th- I don't even know if he gets a shot, you know? I mean, it, he's in the Jordan Schmaltz territory where it's crap or get off the pot, and he's mm. not he's not crapping. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's so. plugged up. He's 22. He'll be 23 by the end of the month. He's approaching not a prospect status anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it still is a prospect, but I just don't think, I don't think it's there for him. I hate to say it because I'd love it to be, but... Tune into our prospect pyramid in six months when we talk about... <laughs> See where he gets bounced. When we talk about him in the fifth tier. <laughs> Nico Mikola, his first season over here in the HL, I believe. Uh, zero goals, five assists for five points in 39 games played. Not you know, not overly impressive production-wise, but I don't think that's necessarily why he was drafted. Also pretty impressive, actually, for a guy that's never played in the U.S. at all. So mm. smaller ice, smaller ice. Uh, oh man! Yeah. So many people that it's are listening to this have no idea. It's a deep cut. The, don't the, don't go find that. It's the, dumb. The, it's Ian once said smaller ice, and I thought he said small rice, and it became one of our earliest memes. Now there's a twinkle in my eye when I think about it. A twinkle. Now our move whole, on because we've got a hard stop. <laughs> our whole subreddit makes memes of that all the time. I was gonna say tweets that, but that's what Twitter's for. Um, yeah. Plus five on this team that's been pretty bad this year. So for a defensive defenseman, a stay-at-home defenseman, I'd say that's pretty good. I'm still interested to see if he uh, ever makes it to the NHL. He's got a little ways to go. Obviously, I don't think it's like a, a shit-or-get-off-the-pot moment at this point or anything. But it'd be it'd be interesting. He's got a little bit of a Who mean streak. Who is this we're on now? I Mikola. Mikola. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I think a lot of people... I mean, is he... Is he the one righty? Who's the one righty? No, he's lefty. Have? Oh, God. We have is one that... righty. Yeah, I swear, but it's like only one. Maybe it's... um. Is it Ranky, maybe? I thought he was I lefty. I think maybe it is Ranky. I I'll, think you're I'll right. figure it out, but go on. Well, if that's the case, call Mitch Ranky up right now. <laughs> right now. We ain't got no right-handers, for Christ's <laughs> sakes. Uh, Ville Husso, we this is the next Jake Allen, the next goalie that is the next one, because there's always one, and they're next. And it it's Ville Husso. Nice. See, why isn't he playing up here? <laughs> well, I, Robert Bertuzzo's fine. But when Robert Bertuzzo walks this summer, he could walk. No, we signed him again. Just kidding. Okay, well, sorry, Mitch. You're Is screwed. Muffin Boy a righty? <laughs> Those guys are so far he's off. He's not. He's a lefty. Go Noel. to Billy Huso. Billy Huso. Which is finished for hard stop. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? I was like, oh, he's going to tell me. Uh, five goals. Five goals. No, he does not. <laughs> Call him up now. <laughs> Call up Villahusa for those five goals. <laughs> oh, Christ. Five wins, 13 losses. Woo! That was a real switch. <laughs> yeah. One, one that was a hard loss. left turn. He's got a .885 save percentage, a 3.33 goals against average. That's halfway to Satan. Uh, 20... <laughs> He's had a tw- uh, uh, he faces an average of twenty six point nine shots per game, one shutout. Any worries with Huso? Um, no, 
Not yet. Eh. He's he's been injured. Yeah. Um, I think he's getting close to a return, and the AHL team was terrible at the start of the season, mm-hmm. so I'm not too too concerned. Bennington uh, is up now. Obviously, we'll talk about him in a minute, probably, but. I'm not too worried about Huso yet. This is his, what, second season? I believe so, yeah. In the AHL, and he's 21, 22, somewhere. I think this is his first, and this is the season where he's getting the lion's share of the starts, Mm -hmm. too. He is 23. Oh, he's about to turn 24. Well, I'm not still, I'm still not super worried because he's a goalie. Yeah, goalies take a while. He needs to put it together pretty quick. I'd be interested to see. 38 games last year with a 242, 922. And he was with the Wolves the year before that for 22 games. So, yeah, I mean, I think... Not terrible. I'm interested to see how he does when he gets back because I think the team is a lot more stable and better now. And Mm -hmm. um, I'd love if the AHL kept better stats to see some sort of splits from pre-injury, post-injury. But I'm I'm not too worried yet. And the nice thing is Bennington's obviously, you know, I'm not saying he's our goalie of the future, but he's obviously jumped his... He, you know, speaking in prospect pyramid terms, he's jumped a tier at least. Oh damn, we had him at like tier Internally, four or yeah. something. So, so yeah, he's he's doing all right. So no, I'm not wor- not terribly worried. A little, but mm-hmm. you know, maybe a three or four on a on a ten. Scale. I was like on, <laughs> on a tier scale. I'd say we're three peppers. <laughs> I'm like what? Spicy. Finnish people like spicy food. I read that one time. I really did. And I don't know why <laughs> yeah. that is. It's because no, they need something to feel alive. Know. Jordan Bennington. Amazing. What else can we say? <laughs> Folks, there's a reason he got called up. 11 wins, 4 losses, 0 OT losses, 0.925, save percentage, 2.08 goals against average. He's actually been averaging or facing more shots on average than Huso has in his games, 27.4. He has three shutouts. Mm-hmm. I wonder how much this stuff, stuff sort of happens in sports. And again, I'm really not saying Jordan Bennington is the goalie that will redefine this franchise or anything. But like, the the team just sort of wrote him off. Mm-hmm. And when you look back at his numbers, there's not a real good reason to and obviously i wasn't scouting every game but his numbers he had a good season last year consistently for sure. and he was not even playing for our franchise his numbers he was great with owen sound in the ohl he you know he's i mean he's been good his whole career more or less he literally has never since 2010 2011 with owen sound had uh 900 less than a 900 save percentage. So like I want the the thing I'm saying is I wonder how often in sports someone just gets written off for the wrong reason mm-hmm. and doesn't become a superstar that they could have and again not saying he's a superstar but you know the Kurt Warner sort of thing where it's like oh he's I was just going to say and it's like well is Billy Husso our Trent Green? Maybe. <laughs> maybe <laughs> we will rally around Jordan Bennington and we Ooh. will play good hockey. Deep cuts, deep 
Rams cuts that everyone here knows because <laughs> you're from St. Louis. Multiple times at least on this podcast. Mm, the Rams are the fire festival of the NFL. <laughs> there you go. And now they've become Bonnaroo. Um, <laughs> You've evolved to Bonnaroo. Um, <laughs> Your fire evolved into a Bonnaroo. Congratulations. Bonnaroo is, is a, a Pokemon yeah. name. Yeah, for sure. If you're Bonnaroo. It's a, bo- it's a kangaroo, which they've never had, I don't think. No, what it's, would the Bon part be? I don't know. It would have like bonbons on its head or something. But it's got to be ground poison because at Bonnaroo, <laughs> at Bonnaroo, it's all mud and it's all drugs. And kids, drugs are poison. That's true. Drugs are bad, okay. Uh, speaking of <laughs> people who say okay a lot, how about the Deutschland dangler, Dominic Bach? Uh, this is moving on from our rampage roundup to our prospect pile-up. Very well done. Uh, Dominic Bach is born on February 3rd, so oh happy birthday to him in a couple of days. And that is a good reminder that he was super-duper underage when he was drafted, because he's only turning 19 shortly now, so mm-hmm. he was really young when he was drafted. Um, he has played most of the season as an adult with the Vexio Lakers of the Swedish Elite League. I think that's what it's called, right? Mm-hmm. SEL. Uh, that was the same team that a little nobody punk ass by the name of <laughs> Elias Pettersson played with last year. Punk ass. Uh, <laughs> Dominic Bach has 18 points in 35 games, playing, again, with, an adult, with adults in a fully adult league. I mean, maybe not as skilled adults as the NHL, but still, he's, you know, kind of like, Costin in the AHL, he's playing amongst adults and doing fine. <laughs> the more you say adult league, you're like, ooh, it's an adult league. Yeah, there's going to be like a, a baseline and a pizza delivery guy around every corner. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's a number 13 prospect in Corey Promman's rankings, which really stunned me. I knew he liked him at the draft, but 13 in all of hockey is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says the skating's of 55, puck skills of 65, physical game is 45, hockey sense is 60. So those are really good scores on hockey sense and puck skill, uh, and skating's pretty good as well. He says Bach has, hasn't dominated the SHL, damn it, this season, <laughs> but I still think his... Development is on track for a guy who one and a half seasons ago was in German junior hockey. He was the top scorer at the U20B pool in the World Junior Championship, and in the past month, his play in the SHL has gotten a lot better, with him being a regular on Vexio's top power play unit on the half wall. His skill level is great. I saw him fighting the puck a bit more than I'd have liked early on in this season. How much is this dude watching Swedish hockey? I know, it's like, holy crap. much. Uh, But I was also more impressed with his vision and pace than what I saw last season. He may take longer than a typical prop, top prospect and needs a lot of work off the puck, uh, but I think when it clicks his skill level, with his skill level, he's going to start rolling over teams. Thoughts on Dominic Bach? I love him. I know someone, and maybe it was Promen, someone reputable will say, made a very lofty comparison to Artemi Panarin, and I dig it. I think just because he's not necessarily tiny, but he's of a smaller stature and kind of crafty. It's... Short and stout and gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Go on. <laughs> I'm going to try and ride something with the head, but it wasn't going to work. Um, 
And that'd be amazing. I think, like you said, if it takes a little bit longer, I understand that. He, Like you said, he was drafted at a very early age, a very young age for his draft year. And he's German, where they're not necessarily great hockey developers, you know, player yeah. developers. I mean, I'd still say it's probably going to be like two more seasons, you know, next season and the season oh, yeah. after that before we even see him in a blue sweater regularly or yeah. even a little bit. But I think that's totally Maybe fine. Maybe if he's doing great, he gets yeah. called over and the second season from now, but it's definitely not next year. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of good, you know, because you've automatically got a good prospect in a couple of years. And especially when, you know, with the way our prospect pool is lined up right now, assuming you don't trade off a bunch of them, you've got guys like Thomas who are really going to make an impact this year, guys like cost and potentially in Cairo who are probably looking at next year to be mm-hmm. really impact players. And then, you know, maybe Bach or Perunovic after that. Um, speaking of Perunovic, don't let me forget to go back to our boy, Hugh. He has, uh, Perunovic has 22 points, uh, three goals, 19 assists in 24 games with the university of Minnesota Duluth. Correct. Mm-hmm. 20 penalty minutes. He's a plus seven. He's a defenseman, obviously left-handed shot. Uh, Promen says he just missed the cut of his top 50. Was it 50? Yeah. He says Perunovic is one of the best defensemen in the NCAA this season. He's got off to a scorching hot start, but tailed off with a weather cooling. I love how he says that as as if he knows that's like the factor. Yeah. He told me. Scott told me. He said he, he hates, can't handle the cold. He always has an autumnal depression. <laughs> um, he's very creative and his offensive IQ is tremendous. Scouts I've talked to have hesitations about him as a top-tier prospect due to his skating. His feet are fine but not great for a small defenseman. Um, I still like him. I think he's a lot like Dunn in some mm-hmm. ways, but the team was obvious really obviously really high on him um and i'm pretty high on him as well i would love to see him kind of get hotter again towards the end of the season and climb up towards you know 40 points but uh, you went undrafted two drafts in a row right or something like that so he's already fairly well developed Mm -hmm. i think you could see him here next year i don't think it's necessarily likely yeah um but i think you could i talked about it i mean when i when he was drafted i said he was a guy you could see pretty quickly I'll be um, at very least interested to see him in the with the rampage next year, assuming that's where he goes. I mean, this is his senior year, right? So I'm guessing he'll be in down in San Antonio next year. It'll just be interesting to see how he transitions into the man's game. <laughs> I think they've always said it's a man's game. I think they've always said NCAA oh, yeah. is harder to translate into professional hockey just because it's played differently. I mm-hmm. then that's as much as I know about that because when I watch it, it's different because it's college kids. But yeah. I can't tell you. What the what the system difference is? They wear a lot of maroon in the NCAA. Mm, they got cages for faces. Indeed, Hugh McGing wears kind of a a brown color because he's with the Broncos. <laughs> great, Andy great. Murray's West Michigan Broncos, Western Michigan Broncos. We love us some Hugh McGing. Has twenty four points in twenty four games, twelve goals, twelve assists. How's that for consistency? Not a big deal. Uh, he has 41 penalty minutes. I don't know what he did. He must he's have gotten, a brawler. Like, he must have gotten a game misconduct <laughs> or something. Uh, he's a plus eight, and he plays for the number eight Western Michigan Broncos. Perunovich's University of Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs are 
sixth, I believe. So a couple good prospects in uh, the NCAA. Alexei Toropchenko is playing for... Did you have strong thoughts on McGang? I'm sorry. To, I hate him. Okay. <laughs> Alexei Toropchenko is playing for the Guelph Storm. Uh, it's just not a good word. No. Whoever decided to name... <laughs> Their town that is stupid. I get it. What do you think about Guelph for a town name? <laughs> I think it's terrible. Well, screw you. Yeah, Go maybe on. he was just stubborn. Uh, he or she, <laughs> but it's, historically it's he. Let's could be have been Pierre Maguire mansplaining to a woman why the town should be named <laughs> Guelph. Well, you got to understand here. A lot of I'm great man- hockey players are going to come from here. We're paying you to name a town, not via cook today. <laughs> <laughs> just because your woman's mouth can't pronounce Guelph doesn't mean we're not going to call that. You got a woman's <laughs> mouth. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Quick. Uh, <laughs> Alexei Torpchenko playing for the storm that are not to be named has 31 points <laughs> in 13 and 44 games with 13 goals and 18 assists. He's currently injured, uh, but I believe it's fairly minor and he's signed. Thank you, Alexa. He signed his <laughs> ELC in December. Um, don't say his first name until that thing is muted, but what do you think about Torpchenko at this point? I think he's torpedoing up to the top of my prospect chart. I, and that's not true. I just want to say torpedoing. I'm I'm still kind of high on Torpchenko. I don't think he's going to ever be, you know, like the NHL on fire, but I think he could still turn into a really good third, fourth line player for us. It seems like I always remember reading that he just plays in straight lines, like plays right for the net. And while that's something straight that straight lines, <laughs> you could say you I want. Oh, you want it? What? Sorry. Oh, what's that? what are you singing? Blurred lines. Blurred lines. Oh, <laughs> I got it. It's over his head, folks. It was Sorry. a big swing and a miss. <laughs> he's on that Mass Singer show, right? Robin Thicke. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's 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 the credible judge. He's the one that knows something. <laughs> Yikes! You're Dion Singer. I at least know how to rip somebody else off to make a hit single. What, you what? can't even do that, Nicole. Sure. I love how it's two singers and Ken Jong. Mm-hmm. We need somebody wacky. Get us somebody wacky. Well, that's what they got the anti-vaxxer also, for. Also, he's like the Paul Abdul. Oh, yeah, because she's there, too. What a weird show. It's terrific. Yes. I want it all. What? Torpchenko? Perfect. I love him. Um, I think straight lines, I always hear, is how he plays, and I think that's a nice thing to have in a player that's that big. You just go, hey, why don't you just skate at the net and see what happens? He might turn out to be... Um, more of a Dimitri Yaskin type, and I think that's fine because we talked plenty about it before we traded him, before we sent him on waivers. That uh, Dimitri Yaskin was a fine player here, so if that's what it, if that's what his ceiling is, I'm okay with it. But I think he's got a little bit more than that. I agree. I agree. Um, Joel Hofer, Hoffer. I still don't know. Hofer. I'm going with Hofer. Uh, Hoffman heating and air conditioning. <laughs> Hoff, not Hoffman. Yeah. Idiot. <laughs> Uh, the extra F sounds for Hall of Fame furnace. Oh, it's like what? Uh, Joel Hofer started the season with the Swift Current Broncos. I don't know much about the Western Hockey League, which I believe is the league they play in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do know right that the that. Swift Current Broncos are terrible and were rebuilding. Uh, so they quickly got rid of one of their good players. Uh, he had a 4.02 goals against average and a 9.04 save percentage in 30 games. Think about that for a second. 
Think about having a four plus goals against average and still having a nine plus save percentage. Think about how many shots he had to face on a a daily basis. That poor, that just post traumatic stress syndrome uh, disorder, whatever. um, That being a Bronco this year. But he was recently traded to the Portland Winterhawks of Tyratty fame. Uh, The trade, as is typical of junior hockey trades, was two firsts, a 2019 third, and a 2020 second, fourth, and fifth. Um, (laughs) That's a good package for our goalie, so he must have done something right in the uh, WHL. And since Joining the Winterhawks, he's played six games and has a 241 goals against average and 924 save percentage, both of which are phenomenal numbers mm-hmm. for junior hockey. Any thoughts on Joel Hofer, who is, like, super tall, right? Isn't that his Wait, shtick? Isn't that, what's your deal, Joel? <laughs> isn't that your gimmick, Joel? Aren't you super tall? I think he's all six, goalies are tall now. He's 6'4", so uh, he's, he's not I mean, he's pretty tall. He's a little taller than me, a big whoop. <laughs> I could have been in your trouble. Oh, we get yeah. it. You're very tall, Ian. We get it. You're a tall folk and a dry <laughs> folk. Everybody knows. That makes it sound like I don't drink alcohol. I do. Not right <laughs> he now. He replaces the milk in his cereal with the alcohol. alcohol. Yeah, that's how I roll every morning. Oh, no. <laughs> I had a thought about Joel Hoffer. It's gone. Uh, Evan Fitzpatrick. We all know how I feel about Evan Fitzpatrick. Bit of a bad numbers season for him in the ECHL, 22 games, 310 goals against average, 880 save percentage. But in the AHL, he's got two games, a 180 goals against average, and a 913 save percentage. This kid is my ginger boy. I love (laughs) him. I love him. Any thoughts on Evan Fitzpatrick? It's it's just a weird <laughs> career for him, a weird projection. Mm-hmm. A, I guess it's not much of a career or NHL career. Weird prospect projection for him. I really didn't think that much of him, and then he did amazing last year, and he's mm. he's doing all right this year. We seem to have a decent pipeline of goalies coming. Yeah, and as long and you know what, as long as it's all decent, I say great. I say that's great for the Blues, great for St. Louis. Bad for something. Yeah, bad for America. Yeah, bad for the American League or something. Uh, <laughs> a couple more prospects that we didn't really include, but I wanted to touch on because... No, you're fine. Go ahead. Hard stop. <laughs> I got 11 minutes, baby. Uh, Matthias Laferriere, who we drafted as kind of a late-round lottery picket, ticket last year, has 53 points in 49 games with the Cape Breton Screaming Eagles at the QMJHL, and I know That's, what you're going to say. That doesn't matter. I know what you're going to say. doesn't matter. Everybody says all the time that everybody scores in the QMJHL. Check out my numbers in the but, QMJHL. <laughs> but I refuse to assume, I refuse to admit that a point per game pace in any league is not of some significance. Yeah, he's behind. It's <laughs> very significant. Last year, he had 41 points in 67 games, so he's doing much better, <laughs> you poopy head. <laughs> um, Tyler what? Tucker, who was a seventh-round defenseman that we took, I think, this year, is having mm-hmm. a phenomenal season with the Barry Colts of the 
Ohio Hockey League. It's Ontario. I know that. <laughs> I do know that. Uh, 34 points in 46 games, which I do not think that point scoring was like his no, I thing thought it was fighting. at all. Um, but he's a big physical kind of defenseman and has been doing really well there. So, hey, if you get anything out of a seventh round pick... Go cool. go for broke on that one. Anton Anderson is playing in the uh, under-20 uh, Swedish League, Super Elite League, and is playing uh, 25 points in 29 games pace, and is a plus-six defenseman we took at the end of the 2017 draft. I don't know a lot about Anton Anderson. <laughs> Do any of y'all not know a lot about Anton Anderson? Uh, Tyler Weatherspoon's doing away. Yanni, Yanni Hockenpah, which I don't even know. If I don't think he's with us. In our system. He gone. Uh, we talk, we obviously have McKenzie McEachern. Did you talked about boy for a little bit, yeah. right? Um, we've seen him up and down. Pateri Lindbom is gone, but he does have 13 points in 33 games with Lausanne in the Swedish Swiss, Swiss hockey league. <laughs> Nikolai Craig Christensen is gone. All these people are gone. We got to restock this pipeline. Uh, <laughs> Nikita Soshnikov's still part of the team, which is crazy. Is he? Uh, yeah, technically. And I thought we, I thought he was on waiver. I don't know. We I waived he was him, gone. but he's in the oh. NHL. We never took the option oh. to go back. Uh, so oh. yeah, oh. so I mean, I think a prospects pool is healthy overall. Um, it needs some solidifying. Robert Thomas will have graduated by the end of the year, so it'll be interesting to see where we still stand on that stuff. Our prospect here will have no top. Nope. Or no second top, or yeah. maybe not even a third top. Maybe we'll win the draft lottery and we'll have a new top. Oh, I want to win the draft lottery so we can have that number one. The one that there's so. no point in putting on there, but you go, yes. <laughs> Folks, I think we need to discuss how... Or, alternatively, we can have the hot take and say... Jack Hughes is not a tier one prospect. Oh, yes. <laughs> Folks, tune in for when we say he's like tier two because we're just not into it. Uh, <laughs> uh, is there other things you'd like to discuss before we make scarce? Do you want to talk about uh, the Blues playoff chances? Let's do it. No. They're zero. Zero percent. Um, They've gotten better. So the Blues in the first half of the season had the 10th hardest strength of schedule. Uh, in the second half of the season, they have the, I believe it's something like 23rd easiest uh, strength of schedule. There's a new athletic article called From YouTube to Sportsnet, Professional Leafs fan Steve Dangle has become an unlikely media success, which is great. I'm so glad that exists. Uh, but I'm trying to find their daily, like, play. there it is, their playoff chances. Um, so yeah, the Blues are supposedly have a much easier strength of schedule in the remainder of the year, but they open at Columbus, at Florida, at Tampa, and then a home and away with Nashville. So they could nice. very, very easily lose four of the next five and just be done. Um, but they currently, according to The Athletic, have a 23% chance of making the playoffs. Not very good. Even for even after all we've done, he's mm-hmm. not very good. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, what is your opinion on this team making the playoffs? Because I wrote an article, and I don't want them to do it. <laughs> for fan enjoyment for this podcast, 
I want them to make the playoffs because even just missing one season was kind of brutal enough. And I do kind of miss the anxiety of rolling around the ground and grabbing my stomach <laughs> and being like, why did this team, you why did you do have, this to me? You guys have no idea what this man is like watching a playoff game. But if you know Steve Dangle, it's like that, but without the excitement. <laughs> it's, like, it's just with the sheer terror. Man, <laughs> I've never looked forward to like things that are so agonizing in my life. It's like looking forward to like the worst job interview ever. Mm-hmm. I'm just so scared and sweaty and just like <laughs> on the ground and like, oh, everything bad that will happen will happen. And it's happening now. And because you're a blues fan, it does happen. So you can just bank on Here's it. Here's an honest to God thing that that happened during one playoff run. I shaved and I shaved from the right side of my face to the left. Mm. And the next game we played, we got destroyed. And I have not done it since. <laughs> <laughs> it's all left to right from Stephen for here. You know, like, I did it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Dear Doug Armstrong, I'm so sorry. Uh, um, but from a... Going back to your question. Um, from a perspective of, like, setting this team up for success, I don't... If they make the playoffs, I hope to God, if they get bounced in the, the first round, which I'm assuming they would, um, they don't look at that as like, well, you know what, guys, we had an awful season to start with, but we made it to the playoffs. That's a really good. That's a really good step, and we need to start keep building from there. Oh, they will. And, Craig Berube, yeah. head coach. In a way, I agree with that. Yes, you did better than you thought you would. And you need to... But not from the start. No, but you need to evaluate what you have now, and we'll figure it out from there. But what you have now, even if they get bounce, make the playoffs, get bounced first round, isn't a lot. Yeah. And you have to make some tough decisions whether or not you make the playoffs. Making the playoffs doesn't make Alex Petrangelo's contract any longer. Making the playoffs doesn't make Braden Shen honestly want to stay here any more than he's lightly rumored to not be. I don't know if anyone said that, but I think it has been insinuated that maybe he just would want to be somewhere else if there's not success here, especially mm-hmm. with his contract coming up. Oh, and he can't be center. Yeah, and he's and he's getting older. I mean, that's that's the point where you hit that last yeah, big like contract. He's yeah, he's ancient. It's the backest last big contract role. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Where he's going to ask a number and you go, well, how about a few less years? Uh, how about a few less dollars here and there? And it's going to be something he wants somewhere he's else. Twenty seven still though. That is kind of crazy. Nuts. But you got to admit though, that'd be like his last big contract. Yeah, like no, anything no, I'm after. Not, I'm yeah. not arguing against. Yeah, him. I just. So he seems like how long has Braden Shen been in the friggin' National Hockey League? I think that's because Jane he was such Schwartz a high pick. Is 26. Like, what? What? Mm. Who did anyway. I see the other day that was way older than I thought? I can't remember. Closure at 31. That's kind of crazy. I don't know why. That was just people also searched. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, making the playoffs doesn't make any of those problems go away. And I think missing the playoffs might make them actually deal with them. Whereas I feel like making the playoffs makes them, ah, these, we'll <laughs> hang on to these guys and we'll see what happens. Because we, we're in, trending in the right direction. Which really, when you make the playoffs, is true. Mm-hmm. But more than half the teams do. So are you really, you just are better than the other half. Yeah. Is yeah. that really up and up? You're on the up and up. Or are you just doing what you should be doing. Yeah. The thing is, so if this team is just making the playoffs, fine. I don't care. I mean, if the, you know, I don't I don't know that we're going to keep that pick at this point anyway unless we win the lottery. So if we're just talking about making or missing the playoffs, 
I don't know if you want to make it fine, but I don't. <laughs> what I really don't want is them to alter their decision making because mm-hmm. they're po- ma- trying to make the playoffs this year. That, in fact, scares the hell out of me. If they trade pieces for rentals because. Oh, yeah, don't buy. Because Tom Stillman is afraid of losing more ticket sales, that's a big big problem and if they pass up on trading shin or petrangelo with a year and a half left because even if you know even if mm. there's great value there because they don't want to not go all in for the playoffs that would be a huge mistake for me i just think this is a team that needs to recognize that it's not where it needs to be on a lot of levels they don't have a head coach i, re- I we talked about it ad nauseum last week but i don't think it's Baruby. um they their star players have disappeared this season other than the new guy who's great i mean <laughs> phenomenal his name's ryan <laughs> the I new know, guy i know his name i just i what's steen the other one <laughs> the new guy and the other one <laughs> podcast <laughs> <laughs> uh anyway um yeah i mean your defense bowmeister's gone gunnerson's gone petrangelo and pareko aren't both staying I really don't think. Even so, even in the event that you extend Petrangelo, you're still talking about trading Pareko in the not too distant future because you're not you're not paying him a big contract mm-hmm. when he becomes a free agent. Colton Pareko, what was he? He was he's like tenth in defensive point shares in the entire league. Is that what I texted yeah. you? Um, so that's impressive. I just a, a month ago, like a, not even. That long ago, we were all talking about how it's time to trade this core and really gut this team and really change the culture. And we can't, we can't let going 15, 12, and 3 under Baruby change that. We can't, it was one thing, you know, if you really look at this team, they had Yo and they changed directions and they went on a two month red hot streak. And they got to the second round. Other than that, they've kind of been a dumpster fire for three yeah. years. No, they've been slowly. Left. Yeah. And they've been I falling just, back to earth. I just don't don't do it again. Don't let the fact that you're in a crappy Western conference at the bottom, which would be the biggest factor in us making the playoffs at this point. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to crap on us, but the if we made it, the biggest factor would be that we're making it over Edmonton and Anaheim and Minnesota and Dallas and all those teams are shit, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Arizona, you know, who it couldn't needs to basically purchase a hospital for all of their <laughs> injuries. So I don't want to, you know, I know you want to get out of here. I just might, I just don't want them to change direction or make decisions based on making the playoffs. I agree. If you luck into a run, if you trade, you know, like, the year we traded Shattenkirk, we got a little hot after we traded him and we made the, you know, we stayed in and made the playoffs. Fine, that's great. If you're going to do that, awesome. But don't be like the, don't do what the Blue Jackets might do and not trade Panarin and Bobrovsky to load up for a cup run that is really unlikely, mm-hmm. you know. I've seen people say, well, they got to trade might him as if well. they think they yeah. have a shot. And it's like... Do they have a shot? Do they really have a shot? This is a team that hasn't won a playoff round ever. How much do you think, how likely do you, anyway, I'm not trying to get sidetracked, but the Blues aren't, they're a first round exit 
guaranteed if they make the playoffs. Guaranteed. Like, not not maybe, not kind of, 100% no way in hell are they getting past either the Predators or the Jets or even the Flames, Flames yeah. if that's how it ends up. So don't sell out for that. Just don't make bad decisions because you need that little financial boost of making the playoffs. I hope they won't, but I'm worried about the combination of Stillman wanting money and um, Armstrong being not on the hot seat, but not far away from it. Mm -hmm. I'm just worried. Um, So, yeah, we'll see, I guess. But anything else you want to say before we make ourselves scarce? No. I'm just looking forward. I'm looking forward to hockey being back. I'm looking forward to the trade deadline. Even if the Blues don't make any moves, I think it's always fun to see people, different teams, just throw throw things away for a run. Mm-hmm. Just so, not us. Yeah, sometimes it's good us. trades. Sometimes it's bonkers ones. I I think there are going to be a lot of trades in the next few weeks. Oh, we never said at the. We should have said this at the beginning. Uh, maybe I'll go back and add something at the beginning, but our friend, our dear friend, Anthony Chandra was supposed to join us today and he said he got the stomach flu overnight. I think it's just a lie. No, I'm kidding. He said he asked several people to come to his house and mercy kill him. So if you're in the Buffalo area and are looking for a, a you know, a, a side hustle, let's <laughs> say, uh, we have a friend. So Anthony, get well soon. We're going to have you back on sometime soon. Uh, Sorry that you're feeling like literal crap. Mm -hmm. I hope you're better. You said, Ian, that there would be a hard stop at this podcast at 11. It's now 11.03, but that's not the definition of a hard stop. But it's a hard stop. Mm -hmm. So we're hard stopping right now. Anything else to say? Hard stop. (laughs) Goodbye, everybody.